the Braves stumble a bit in Boston. Unfortunately, we put ourselves in a really good position. And um, the slow bump in the road is, is only going to be that to us. Now, how will they load up for the trade deadline? From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano. And uh, don't look now, buddy, but they're looking at us. We have a live virtual taping of our show. Wow. You you didn't have to tell me. Come on. (laughs) At least wait till the half hour mark or something. This is a special perk that if you're listening on the podcast, we're doing for the subscribers of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and our subscribers are the ones that will be providing the questions for the very extended Ask Justin segment coming up a little later on. Yeah, this is really nice. I mean, we appreciate all you guys who subscribe, obviously, and everybody who listens to our show. I remember when we first sat down when I got this job to do this, and you asked me what we wanted it to be. We wanted it to be kind of the stories behind the score, and we wanted to give you something that you couldn't get elsewhere the clubhouse access, the interviews, the quotes from anybody and everybody. And we're going to make that a little more interactive today with a live show, but it's still going to be talking ball, so we're excited to do it. So thanks for being here. All right, and uh, coming up, we will dig into what happened in Boston and doesn't change anything. Plus, we've got your complete guide to the trade deadline, what Justin's hearing, who are the possible candidates to come to Atlanta, and a look at the moves that Alex Anthopoulos has already made. This is your first time listening to the show. We are happy to have you, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta journal Constitution presented by Kroger and, and you know Justin learned something in our last show last week that school in Metro Atlanta starts back next week that I, I it still hasn't sunk in it's too early it, summer's not over no it's 95 degrees as we speak so summer is certainly not over but parents last chance weekend is coming up and if you have not locked down all your back to school needs your local Kroger store has you covered they've got more than 250 school supplies available for less than three dollars each and some for only a buck including colored pencils markers notebooks pens rulers etc they're all on sale so go to find the deals at Kroger.com slash school. That is Kroger.com slash school or head to your local Kroger store today. All right, well, let's go ahead and get the bad news out of the way here. It was not exactly a fun trip to Boston, but Spencer Strider's not too worried. Yeah, I mean, we, we were playing, a, you know, call it what it is, an unsustainable level of baseball over the last month. So um, I think this happens. You, know, you play 162 games, you're going to see it all. And um, I think what makes this team good, what makes most teams good that are good, is the ability to um, sort of uh, weather the storm um, when things aren't going the way you want them to. And um, you know, fortunately, we put ourselves in a really good position. And um, the slow bump in the road is is only going to be that to us. And, and um, you know, we do a good job, anyways, when things are going well. Of taking it day by day, and that's that's the same approach when things aren't going well. You can you can count on Spencer to give you perspective on yeah. things. That being said, the All Star bake has has clearly dumped a little water on the Braves' fire. Yeah, yeah, and I and I can see it in your face. Relax, it's okay. The Braves are fine. <laughs> you don't have to worry. But they have lost seven of ten, right? It doesn't look good. They've lost three of four series now since the break. But as Spencer said, they were playing at an unsustainable level. I mean, they were not going to repeat what they did in June and the first part of July throughout the rest of the season. It does have a funny way of tying into what Alex Anthopoulos told us on Monday, though, right? Because for weeks on this show, and the people who've listened know this, we've been stressing it. Perspective. Relax. The team is very good. It's a very, probably the best group in baseball, maybe the deepest group in baseball, certainly the best collection, I think, of stars and established major leaguers in the sport right now. But these past couple weeks show you that 
you can't always get better. And I thought that tied in really well to what Alex told us on Monday where he said, look, it's our job to worry, as he always says. And he goes, you don't take anything for granted because after August 1st, it's only waiver claims. And oh, by the way, because it works in reverse, you know, order of reverse record, the Braves aren't pretty, you know, aren't very high on the priority for waiver claims. So they're going to need to get something done uh, by next Tuesday. They already started. Um, team's fine. But it does underscore there's a lot of room to improve for anybody. The lead is still 10 games over the Phillies and six and a half over the Dodgers for the top seed in the National League. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, right? We talked this division up so much in spring training. Um, you, me, and Gabe Burns sat there. I think it was the day before opening day for our preview show. Yep. And Gabe, you and me, we debated, well, is it going to be the Mets? Is it going to be the Phillies? Actually, it's kind of been the Marlins to this point. Well, now, it's, now it's the Phillies, but 10 games back going into August. I mean, I don't think anybody thought the Braves would cruise quite like this, uh, but it stands to reason that when the Phillies had that pretty hot streak right before the All-Star break, they lost a game and a half to the Braves, I think it was, or two games to the Braves. The Braves have played incredible baseball to this point. It hasn't been good recently, but, yeah, you look at the big picture, barring something tragic uh, a natural disaster of sorts they are going to the playoffs they will be there um at this point it's just a matter of seeing if they're good enough to win it all and the postseason can be a crapshoot but as you mentioned they're going to get there right now they've got to focus on staving off the dodgers who have had a pretty active trade deadline you know a week um they've got to focus on staving off them you know, for that top seed, which is going to be really important. Let's step back and look at Wednesday's game a little bit and talk about Spencer Strider. I know that he felt like that was a game he should have won on Wednesday night. You know, I feel like I've really thrown the ball well. Um, going back a lot of outings, and it seems like, um, you know, despite a lot of swings, a lot of swings and misses, a lot of strikes, just a couple of mistakes um, that I make in an outing, just can't get away with them. And, um, you know, it's... It's pretty frustrating to, to get that deep into my outings. I mean, I've been in the seventh in almost all my outings for the last like eight starts. So, um, but uh, you know, not not leave with a, a comfortable lead. So that's something apparently I've got to figure out. He set the franchise record for four straight games with ten strikeouts or more. But it feels like there should be even more there. It still surprises me that his ERA is over three seven. Is this the best three seven in <laughs> yes. baseball history entering August? I, I certainly mean, the most dominant. Yeah, he looked incredible in the Diamondbacks game last week. He looked incredible. I mean, he ripped through Boston's lineup last night, and yet you look at him leaving the mound, and he doesn't have a big lead. And it's it's almost shocking that, yeah, you have to think there's something weird at play, right, in terms of, yeah, maybe those couple mistakes just are getting hit. And that's what he said with the Rafael Devers. That pitch was below the zone. That was about as good of a slider as you could throw. He said, "I'm not good at golf, but it went over the fence." Right, right, exactly. And um, and the, but the Tristan Casas one, that was one of his probably four or five mistake pitches, and it got hit out. And he just feels like he's the mistakes are getting punished now. Spencer Strider, I mean, he's he's right. Since we talked about him in June, he's got seven straight outings where he's gone at least six innings. Um, that doesn't happen in the modern day game, and four straight. With 10 strikeouts, as you mentioned, five of those seven outings, 10 or more strikeouts. It's it's incredible. I mean, it's the most dominant 
run of a 3.05 ERA that I, I think I've ever seen. And you just wonder, like, the lines look a lot worse than what you just watched for two hours. And it's it's mystifying, but it's it's almost interesting to hear it from his perspective because he's the most insightful guy you're, you're going to find at, at these things and really well-spoken, very smart, very reflective. Uh, and it was interesting to hear an athlete just say, you know what, like, I feel like I'm not getting the breaks. Like, I feel like, and he said it in his next answer um, to a question I asked about the Devers home run. He said, you know, you watch other guys and you see them throw their mistake pitches or leave them over the zone or throw, you know, mislocation, and they're not getting punished like I am. So it's like, he's like, something's going on. I think that's, that's what it is. The game is weird. Sometimes that happens. He's throwing the ball really, really well, and I'm going to go out on a limb and make a wild bet that if he throws it like that, as he <laughs> mentioned, they're going to be in a good spot the rest of the way. That's the Spencer Strider they want. Um, also, the Braves can't score four runs over 18 innings on the road. That's yeah. that's probably not going to get it done. I mean, that's pretty tough on the road, especially against a Boston team that has emerged that is one of those bubble teams, right? Do they there's buy? a lot of those. Do they sell? A lot of them in baseball, but they're really coming together. Brian Snicker had a lot of great things to say about them. But, yeah, you can't can't score four runs in 18 innings at Fenway Park. All right, you want to start talking some moves now? Yeah. Well, everybody's here anyway. Yeah. So let's, uh, Bryce had a maybe a flurry, maybe a small flurry of uh, of moves here in the last, uh, last few days. And let's begin with the guy we saw on Wednesday night, Pierce Johnson, who comes from Colorado for a couple of minor league arms, Victor Vodnik and Tanner Gordon. No, stuff overall is really good. It's good to see him out there. You know, it's good to see him out there, get his feet wet. You know, so I, I like what I saw. He's going to help us. That's Braves manager Brian Snitker. Now here's president of baseball operations, Alex Ganthopoulos, on why they did it. We like the, the power arm from the right side, uh, his ability to spin the ball, swing and miss, and we just think it'll be a good complement to our bullpen. But Johnson's ERA is almost at six, so what does he have to do to fix what's broken? Uh, throw more strikes. I mean, start with start there. Um, I know my stuff's good. It plays. Got a ton of swing and miss this year. I just uh, gotten some bad counts. Um, guys have done some damage, and that's on me. Um, but honestly, just get back to basics, throw strikes, and uh, let the defense do the work because we got a really good team here. What would you think seeing him for the first time? I thought the stuff was live, man. I thought it was a really live arm. People will go to that one Justin Turner at bat, but one that was a slider that I, I think obviously he didn't get down enough, but it was off the plate. Uh, he had him out a little bit in front, and he was Justin Turner in his career <laughs> against Pierce Johnson before that. 0 for 7, yeah. including a playoff at bat with uh, with two strikeouts. It happens, but I think it's, it's a really live arm. I thought the stuff was really, really good, especially considering that this is a guy who got traded on Monday had to uproot his entire life. Luckily, Denver was home, so he had to get the car out, had to worry about the two little ones, you know, had to make sure his wife felt settled. Things like this are going to happen. These guys are humans. I think it's a nice addition. Um, The one thing I did focus on is the numbers at Coors Field, much worse than the numbers away from Coors Field, and he will not be pitching at Coors Field, you know, or I guess he could down the stretch in, you know, one series. But... Uh, I look at him as a guy, you'd think, 97-mile-an-hour fastball. um, Fastball that averages 96. Curveball. He's got power stuff. That curveball usually doesn't play at Coors Field how it does other places. And he told me that he was starting to make the adjustment on on some of those things, 
right before getting traded. I wonder if that has a, a bigger factor than we think, though, because the FIP fielding independent pitching, the outcomes that a pitcher can control, um, similar to ERA for those who don't know, that's how you grade it. It was in the mid twos, um, and, and so I think I think there's a lot there, and people want to talk about prospects, Jay, and I never, I'm very down on people who disparage prospects, but I think in the interest of being truthful. I just do not think the Braves gave up anything here. Like Victor Vodnik, we saw him in spring, right? Very live arm, can get up to 99. But, I mean, him and Tanner Gordon, those are guys that are 23 years old already. I mean, they were, you know, number 10 and number 20 prospect, I think, in the Braves' system, which is not super replenished right now. Um, so Victor Vodnik's kind of down there in the Rockies' top 30, and then Tanner Gordon's not even in the top 30. Like, I think, look, you got to give up talent. I just don't think when we've talked about Alex Anthopoulos' track record on this show and how ridiculous it is, I don't think the, either of these guys are going to be one of, you know, the ones that, that burn them. I think this is a nice piece going down the stretch because we have seen the bullpen injuries, right? Yep, and and the Braves' bullpen is getting a little crowded though with all the guys injured and all the other players that they've brought up which have contributed yeah yeah because you look at dylan lee a guy who threw his bullpen session tuesday could face hitters next as his next step which means he's closer than he's been in a couple months uh since he got on the il aj minter is closer than he's been after that rehab outing that one inning um for gwinnett tuesday uh jesse chavez that's the one i look at personally and i, and I wonder is he going to come back? And if he does, how how late is it going to be, right? Like, to me, I'm like, at this point, is it going to be mid-September? I mean, talking to Snit last week, it seemed like he was kind of a ways away from pitching competitively just because with that shin contusion, he still can't put a ton of weight on that leg. I mean, Jesse was walking with a cane for, you know, a few weeks after that. It was obviously very serious. Um, Nick Anderson is somebody I think we've – probably forgotten about because on the 60-day IL along with a host of very good Braves contributors when they yes. come back uh, but it it is going to be a crowded place I thought our Mark Bradley had a nice column on this in his Bradley's you know buzz newsletter where yeah you look at the Braves bullpen right second in the majors in ERA but you look at some of the games that have been lost and you say okay, I think there can be improvements here, especially because Joe Jimenez, to this point, hasn't been what you thought he would be. He's getting there. The stuff has looked a lot better recently, and he can be that guy if he throws the ball like he has his last couple. Um, you figure A.J. Minter's been hurt and you know struggled earlier in the season. Rysel Iglesias had his little hiccups. I think it just kind of it shows you, like, this is a sign. You, you can never have too much pitching. Like, this is a place, I think, if you're the Braves, like, you have to improve. And I think we see it all the time, man. The bullpens win and lose in the postseason. Like, it is, you have to have a great bullpen, especially because we're in a day and age where starters might only go four in a third innings in the postseason. The leashes are shorter. And if you have a stacked bullpen, you can kind of shorten the game like that uh, and really slam the door earlier on. Um, it, it really helps. And I so I do think... Yeah, it's, it's going to get crowded, but what do we always say on this show? These things kind of tend to work themselves out, right? Yep, and you know, we talked about the Braves trying to raise the floor and get as much pitching as possible. Alex Anthopoulos picked up two more pitchers that are half-fiend to give up anything, including lefty Taylor Hearn for just cash. 
Yeah, look, he's got great arm. He's got a power arm. He's got great stuff. So we really don't have a lot of optionable bullpen guys right now, especially right. from the left side. We right. really don't have any, uh, to be candid with you. Now, that, that ERA is kind of freaky over 10. But the, it's the option thing in the arm, right? Right, yeah. You, I, I think, one, it's options. Two, it's options with upside, right? Everybody, the name of the game is trying to correctly project and hit on a guy who hasn't been, you know, hasn't had the success he's had hoped, you know, to this point in his career and see if you can kind of work with them a little bit. I think Taylor Hearn is one of those guys, and he said to me yesterday that, yeah, the Braves have already talked you know, to him about some things. Uh, he's let them know how he likes to do things. They've let him know some things they see in him. I think the Braves also just have such a good player development program, specifically with pitching. Like, I think we've seen it over and over again where they are able to take these guys that, you know, Luke Jackson, that, that people might have overlooked, and they turn him into something. Tyler Matzik. I mean, heck, A.J. Minter once upon a time was optioned. Yep. You know, a couple before he was a non-optionable guy, he was an optionable guy. Dylan Lee was cut from the Marlins after spring training one year and has blossomed into this very reliable, sometimes late-inning reliever. So I think that the Braves have a very good program in terms of they know who they are, they know what they want in guys in terms of the projectability with stuff with swing and miss with velocity they know what's going to play but yes to simplify this like boil it down it is options right because that has been the one thing that has kind of been a strain on them this year it's that okay one of the guys with options nick anderson though he's from the right side was pitching to other option aj minter's not really he has options but he's not a guy you're gonna option anymore same with dylan lee um they were shuffling through these bullpen uh, michael tongan doesn't have options, has been on the roster. They've been shuffling through a lot of these guys in the bullpen, Derek Rodriguez, Lucas Litke, who they don't have options, so the Braves lose roster flexibility in that, you know, in that situation. So I think the option is big. Um and man, you, you've got my head spinning with all these moves. <laughs> I, I feel like Monday was two weeks ago. And and then there was what happened on Sunday night. Yanni Chirinos, who's going to start for the Braves on Friday, designated for assignment by Tampa, and after having, you know, okay season. Uh, it was surprising, um, but I understand that it's a business. Uh, so when, uh, so I was surprised when I heard that um, that happened. But uh, I thank God that I was uh, picked up by this team. If I were him, I'd probably been a little surprised too, because. Getting a starter with an ERA around Ford for a waiver claim is a no-brainer. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, so he, I think, over his last six with Tampa, he had like a six ERA, I think it was. Um, and here's the little niche roster thing with him is that because he has reached five years of service time, he's actually he has he technically has options, but he has to consent to being sent down. The Rays obviously knew that he would not consent to being sent down, so they had to DFA him. Uh, one of the major players in this Braves season so far is the Rays. Yeah. Ben Heller first from a roster crunch, and now Johnny Torino's from a roster crunch. Same sort of thing. The, look, the Braves think he has upside, so much so that they optioned Michael Soroka, whom they you know did not feel was, was rather sharp. Now, he looked like maybe he was turning the corner a little bit in his last start. He went six innings, but... He hasn't been great. He hasn't been up to his standards. Um, and our Ken Segura, you know, our columnist, yeah. talked to him 
yesterday and basically Soroka said they told me they were acquiring a pitcher I didn't ask too many details that's not my job but Soroka said he understood right he understood the move he understood that standards are high this is not a team trying to chase a berth in the postseason they're at this point they're trying to win a world series like this is where expectations are the standard is very high he's not he was not up here to figure things out he was up here to be more polished than he was uh and so the Braves are going to kick it to Chirinos and see what he can do but for ERA in the AL East very good division um I did notice that he has gone five or more innings in his last I think the last four or five times he started so there's some length there uh but he was being used kind of as a bolt guy uh with the Rays so the Braves are going to kind of kick the tires on it and see what comes but to get him for nothing to get Taylor Hearn for nothing I think these are the types of waiver claims you really you know got to watch out for when you do have a guy who's got obvious upside all right, now coming up, we'll look at the Braves' mindset heading into the trade deadline, and we'll have all the answers to all your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia, that means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now, so being able to attend this live virtual taping of the Braves Report podcast is one of the many, many benefits that you get as a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You also get all the access you can to all our Braves coverage, so everything Justin writes, everything that Gabe writes, all of our columnists, all of our sports coverage, breaking news, food, dining, politics, etc., from the largest newsroom in Georgia. Plus, there's our assortment of newsletters, including the Braves Report, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday and Friday, and now, special on Friday, Justin takes the wheel of that newsletter for the Braves Dispatch. I, I love it. It's been a lot of fun so far. I think uh, when I brought up the idea to our editor, Chris Vivlamore, for me, it was an opportunity to do something just a little bit different, to write maybe with a little bit more voice. Um, there's so many in this job. There's so many notebooks, so many injury updates, so many trade stories, so many little waiver claims. This was an opportunity to be a little bit different. And I found that like being with the team day in, day out, as those who are subscribing know, like you get a lot of stuff in terms of things you pick up, little notes you pick up, things you hear, things that are said that doesn't really fit into like the daily reporting that I feel like I've been able to get into this. So one time it was Spencer Strider's thoughts on the pitch clock and injuries today or, you know, for tomorrow. That's a little teaser. All right. um, another time I'm trying to think of another note. It was, uh, oh, it was the Yaxo Rios trade and the fact that Jesse Chavez was in the same boat with an out clause, but nobody wanted him. So there's there's all these little things that I feel like have been fun to, to do and make up this newsletter. So definitely sign up if you haven't, but uh, I'm sure most people here 
probably have because we, we've promoted we, it. We hope you have, but if you have not, go ahead and go ahead and take advantage. Go to AJC.com slash newsletters to sign up for the Braves Report. And if you're listening on the podcast feed, you have not become a subscriber yet, please do so. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get three months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast for three months for 99 cents so you always know what's really going on. All right, now to what's going to be happening between now and the trade deadline at 6 p.m. on Tuesday. I've said this many times, right? It's, our job is to worry. And, you know, the biggest challenge is knowing that once the 1st of August comes and goes, we're done, unless it's claiming it on waivers. And right now, you know, we don't, we're not high on the priority for claiming guys. Um, you just know that this is your last shot to try to insulate your, yourself for what may or may not occur. All right, let's just get to the bottom line here. What are the chances the Braves can and are able to make a significant move by Tuesday? I mean, it looks like a seller's market, so I don't think those chances are very good because I think they would kind of need to empty the farm system. And in the case, like, would they – I think Alex has said before that nobody has ever told him that the Braves do not have the pieces to acquire somebody, but – semantically would Alex want to give up yeah. those pieces that that they say he has I don't I don't think so but what gave me a little bit of hope that there could be something a little splashy was when I asked him if there was still going to be you know some activity on the Braves end uh from the next week and he mentioned that this is one of those times where teams are engaged and they're active which lets you fill a long-term need and that kind of got me thinking what could the Braves use? One, I remember, you know, Alex has said it before, before this season, that he's really he's worried about the 2025 rotation and beyond because Max Freed is, you know, he's con- you know he's not under team control after next season. Um, I think about left field. Eddie Rosario has, I believe, a $9 million option, and we could spend all day parsing whether that would be worth it at this point. Well, maybe not but, all day, but an hour maybe. Yeah, 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 two hours. We, we keep these people <laughs> long enough. Um, no, so that got me thinking, could the Braves maybe do something at starting pitching, you know, with their rotation or with left field or DH to kind of shore up something for next season and beyond? Uh, so I don't know. In terms of a splash, like I, I felt a little better about it before I saw that Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, a reliever and then a starter, a rental starter, took the Angels as number two and number three prospects. Uh, I felt a little better about a splash before that. That tells you it's a real seller's market, but, I mean, if anybody can work the wizardry and the magic, it's Alex, right? All right, so first question from our subscribers comes from Joe McCusker. What do you think are the chances the Braves of acquiring David Bednar or Josh Hader at the deadline? I think Bednar's more... um, probably more likely than hater like that's that's w- what i would think um hater would put you over the top man that guy's yeah, that'll, that'll do it but i think a guy like bedner with multiple years of team control after this year makes sense right because with hater it's tough to parse or at least it would be in my view and i'm not in alex's chair but it would be tough to parse how much prospect capital do you give up for a rental like that? It's probably the best closer in the game, right? And if San Diego is going to sell him, given that San Diego hoped to contend, they're going to want a lot for him, I would think. You're probably not going to be able to fleece them. And so 
they're going to want prospect capital. They're going to want a return that helps them in 2024. I don't know that the Braves would be willing to do that, but it's probably a little more feasible for a guy like David Bednar, who is with the Pirates now, two-time All-Star, um, would slot in really, really nicely with Rysel Iglesias, Nick Anderson, A.J. Minter, Joe Jimenez, and the like uh, in terms of late-inning options. We haven't even mentioned Colin McHugh. Um, and so I, I would think that one's more likely because that's a way that you could look at this roster and say, okay, you have last year they acquired Iglesias, who had you know was a couple years more team control um, when they acquired him. With David Bednar, you kind of fortify your bullpen now and in the future, and I think that kind of puts you over the top as well, right? Hater would be nasty, but I think if it's David Bednar, you can probably you can probably sleep easier giving up the prospects and and you know something you, you did for him so a guy like you know von grissom as well as maybe younger pitching prospects they're you know that one i think would be a little more feasible so i like the bedner idea because i think it'll be a guy if they do acquire somebody i don't think it'll be a rental i think it would be multiple years of control all right next up from courtney fritz she wants to know what are the braves chances of getting jansen or duvall from the red sox at the trade deadline i think duvall makes sense like i think, but are the red sox selling that's the thing is, I mean, they are eight games over 500. A lot yeah. a lot better than some of the other supposed bubble teams. Yeah. But they, they kind of have a weird situation in the outfield where with Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran, and others, they might be able to, to get away, you know, without Adam Duvall. And I think uh, Heim Bloom said, so they traded Enrique Hernandez, Kike Hernandez yep. this week um, from, as we'd mentioned, a team that is eight games above 500 now after sweeping the Braves. And Heim Bloom, their chief baseball officer, mentioned that they want they kind of want to rebuild this core, right? So they're looking to win now, but in trades, they're going to be targeting pieces that can help them in the future, you know, that can help in 2024 and beyond. So that tells me that they might be willing to, you know, trade a guy like Duvall. Uh, and the, that, I don't think that, you know, that wouldn't cost the Braves a lot because at this point, because of the injuries, unfortunately for Adam, he's not probably, you know, not going to reach those incentives yep. that we're going to push the deal to $10 million, I believe it was. It was a little out of the Braves' price range. Um, he got a great deal. But now, for a rental, another bat, I think it makes a lot of sense because Adam Duvall would allow you to basically reset. You pick up an outfielder. It's probably not going to cost you a ton um, especially because if they're willing to sell, that means he doesn't have as much of a role over there, right? So you've got that leverage, I think. But it's not going to cost you a ton. And then if you're Alex and the Braves, you can kind of reassess this outfield situation over the offseason the same way you did last offseason. So it doesn't handcuff you, right? Because he's he's signed through the year. Um, Eddie Rosario, as we mentioned, has a team option um, for next year, club option. Uh, and so... You really don't lock yourself in anything. So if that player that you really want, and Alex always talks about, it's player specific. If that player who could really turn the tide, like over the offseason, we talked Brian Reynolds, right? Like a guy like that, he's since extended. It'd have to be somebody else. But if that player you really want isn't feasible now, Adam Duvall gets you another good bat through, you know, the end of the season. And then you get the same flexibility in terms of getting to reassess your left field situation for next year and not have to lock yourself into anything. So I think that one makes a lot of sense. Kenley, not so much, uh, because, you know, there's a reason I think, you know, the Braves, I don't, I don't think they they need him, and I don't think Boston would be willing to sell him. 
but um, I think Adam Duvall makes a lot of sense. All right, let's roll into our uh, expanded, um, enhanced Ask Justin segment where we usually answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. But now we're going to do it on our chat, and we've already taken all these email questions. we got so many, so we're going to pick up the pace right. uh, here a little bit. So let's uh, start with a chat from Perry James. Is the recently brought-up reliever from Cuba, Daisbel Hernandez, being groomed as a future closer? I, I mean, I, I think you – I don't know. I think it would be strong to say groomed as a future closer, but – He's certainly been brought up because you want to see what you have, right? Yeah. Especially before the deadline. Like, you you got to see what you have. And he was the next best option once they shuffled through and then they eventually optioned Alan Winans, who started that Saturday game. Daisbel Hernandez had uh, struck out 17 of the last 23 batters he faced over between A and then a couple AAA stints before being called up. He's definitely got closer-type stuff but received kind of a welcome to the big leagues this week with that, that home run uh, late in Monday's game. Really good arm, though. Really good stuff. It, it's too soon to know quite yet, but I do think this is a guy with potential to be a late-inning reliever. And, yeah, like, they, they, he forced his way here. They wanted to get a look at him. Let's uh, go to Richard Lappin now. And uh, although the Braves have had a recent skid, they're still 10 games ahead. They seem to be vulnerable with the relievers and late innings and defense where errors come back to bite them. We've also had another question about the Braves' defense. Your thoughts there? I know. I that's probably the one area I mean you knew they were going to hit and I thought they'd play pretty good defense because if you look across the board they do have good defensive players Matt Olson isn't a negative there to me Austin Riley's improved by leaps and bounds Orlando Arcia has been tremendous uh Ozzy's been you know here and there he's made some uncharacteristic errors but he's also made some great plays uh and their outfield defense right in center is about as good as you can have in terms of the arms in terms of the range I their defense has been worse than I thought it would be. Uh, that's certainly a little bit of an issue late in games, right? Like, we've seen it creep up. They haven't been as crisp as maybe they've wanted to be. Uh, it hasn't really bit them because they're almost 30 games over 500 still. But it's one you look at because what, I mean, Jay, what what matters in the postseason? Pitching and defense. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, you look at those late innings and you look at the issues with relievers sometimes and you look at the issues defensively defensively like these are the guys they're going to throw out there right like they're, they're not fixing it now the one area where i think they could look to do something is say they don't acquire an outfielder at all how many more starts should kevin pillar get right is is eddie rosario hitting well enough to justify being a bat first guy in the lineup who isn't playing great defense he cost him a run the other night um has you know uh that i think about that play in cleveland yeah. uh going kind of that walk-off hit it was hit hard, but I think Kevin Pillar maybe gets to that ball. Kevin Pillar's shown you a lot that he's still got a lot defensively, especially as a corner outfield guy. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's something that necessarily I'm ready to say is going to doom the Braves this season. Every team has ugly losses, has kind of unsettling losses about it uh, during a 162-game season. But, yeah, I, I think it's something to watch, especially because if the defense continues, these are the guys that are going to be rolling out there. This is the core. Like, the, they are here. They will be starting every game. From Paul Griffin, with the exception of catcher, are the Braves wearing out their regulars? That's a good question. I, You know, Snit has always said that, has made the argument that his guys have such great seasons because they play every day, because baseball is so rhythmic. There is something to that. But, I mean, every team rests 
it's starters here. It rest, you know, guys. Every guys other team in sports here. is going with load management. The Braves taking a different tactic. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I don't know if they would ever say it, but you do wonder, right? Because every other team in the sport, I don't think guys post quite like they do for Atlanta. And that's a good thing. Like, that yep. is something to be proud of. That's something to take pride in. They obviously do take pride in it. It helps them have great seasons and be consistent. And when guys are slumping, they know they're going to be in there the next day, and it, it gives you that confidence boost. Snit sticks with his guys, and that's a good thing. And it's it's great that they post. They get a lot of value out of those guys. But, yeah, I, I do wonder. Catchers have been a very even split, and I'm pretty sure if you ask Sean Murphy, he'd say he feels fresher now than he did at this time in Oakland last year, the year before. But, I mean, yeah, you look at those infielders, man. Like there There's a reason yeah. not everybody plays every day anymore. Next up from Theron Scott. Do you think there'll come a day when Snit leaves Strider in a game with a similar situation as last night? Yeah, for sure. I just think that last night it looked like Strider wore down a little bit. I mean, you had... So I think where Theron's coming from is uh, Yu Chang, I believe, was up next, right? Was after that single, and Strider had gotten him out twice. And I think I think there's an argument to be made for leaving him in, but... You saw the home run. And then when a single immediately follows the home run, another hard hit ball, like I think I think that kind of made the decision for Snit a, a little bit. Uh, and he said, I, I, I kind of asked him something similar to that last night. We're like, hey, did he run out of gas a little bit? He was like, look, like just, you know, he had a great performance. Emotionally, these guys go through a lot, the starting pitchers. I think there is going to be a day where Snit gives Spencer those reins like – he would give somebody else those reins, right? Like, I think we can agree, if that's Max Fried out there in, you know, late July, August, he probably stays out there, right? Unless there's something drastic. Spencer had pitched so well that I think he earned the right to stay out there, but Snit's also got pretty good feel of, like, young guys and, and when they wear out mentally and, like, just not giving him too much and not wanting him to end on a sour note. He'd already pitched so well the way he thinks about it he did his job like it's it's on everybody else at that point but i think there will come a day where we see him push it a little bit speaking of max freed this is from james quinton when's freed coming back and from jay rucker mccartney when's kyle wright coming back so the braves said that max freed felt under the weather um something we can all relate to relate to here and there and so he didn't pitch on wednesday night uh they're gonna figure out you know they were gonna figure out a new date for him to pitch i would think because you can only the maximum amount of days a rehab assignment can be is 30 for a pitcher so if he started you know first week and a half into july whatever nine days i think it was in july that you can kind of do the math so i i think if he is physically well and everything goes well on his next rehab start i would think he would be back in the rotation after that so i would think next late next week at some point you would hope or uh I, i think so what are they that beginning of that three city road trip maybe that that would be what i would be looking at if everything goes to plan all right and um, then kyle right 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 okay um that one is going to be at this point i would think september i mean and it won't be i mean we're ready almost at august at first it looked like early september i'm i'm starting to think it's going to shade toward the middle of september because you look at uh max and how long it took him from the time he and this isn't anything on max this is just the progression they use and that the medical staff uses which keeps these guys safe and healthy when you look at max and where he went from facing hitters to then going on a rehab assignment to now 
a good chunk of time, right? Yeah. And so Kyle, if he, you know, we'll get an update on him uh, when the homestand begins again um, on Friday. And so you would think that he to be back in early September, he would basically have to face hitters, you know, in a, about a week. Uh, so I think it's going to be shaded toward that second week of September, if not the middle of September. Still enough time because you only need, what, three starts probably at the big league level to kind of get your sea legs under you and get ready for the postseason. So I think all is not lost yet for Kyle Wright. But, Jay, what we're talking about here is the reason that I think you, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, you need to look hard at adding a quality starting pitcher. Next question from Paul Kurtz. This is on our Marcelo Zuna. He's not a disciplined hitter, and he's had some off-the-field problems. Is it over for him at the end of the season? That's tough. I mean, he's so well-liked in the clubhouse. For about a month and a half there, he was the Braves' best hitter, not named Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, I mean, when he's hitting, he's perfect at DH. And, like, he's he's had positive impacts in the clubhouse from helping Michael Harris snap out of it to uh, helping Matt Olson with his swing. I think there are a lot of redeeming qualities that Marcelo Zuna's teammates see in him. Uh, fans might not agree, and like I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. But I do think that I don't. I'm not ready to say that'd be over for him yet. Let's see how the rest of the season progresses because he still showed what what he can do over a month and a half period of time. But that was after starting the season on kind of a somewhat historic slump. Uh, I'm not ready to say that. It'll be the end for him, though, just because I just think that teams are so reluctant to eat money. All right, we'll pick up the pace here with the last few minutes we have with you guys. Uh, from Wade Malone, do you see a possibility of the Braves trading Vaughn Grissom at the deadline for pitching? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's one I've I think you have to like you're gonna have to right like you would if you want to get I'm not even saying a frontline guy if you want to get a middle of the rotation guy or above you would think that somebody like Vaughn Grissom somebody ready to play in the big leagues now would would have to be part of the return because these teams yeah sure some teams you know the Orioles of the last however many years before last year would take only prospects right but a lot of these bubble teams we're talking about they want to be good next year and they want to be good the year after that they can't wait three four years Vaughn Grissom that's why I think that's probably Alex's best bullet is Vaughn Grissom a guy who's batting you know, still batting in the 300s at AAA, has been better defensively, I believe, uh, over there. Just put a lot of pressure on himself in his big league stint. That's Alex's best bullet because he's the most major league ready player without taking anybody off the active roster right now. All right, last question from Thomas Knott. What is your routine, if you have one, in the locker room pre- and post-game on how you cover the beat? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, so I like to, uh, when I get up in the morning, well, actually probably before I get up, the night before, I always have story ideas circling in my head. Stuff might happen. I might hear things. But I usually have a general idea of who I want to talk to. So when I get to the ballpark, I'll pop my stuff down. I'll look up, you know, stats, see what it, kind of prepare a little bit, you know, do more preparation that I might not have done at home or the hotel, whatever. Um, And then I'll go into the clubhouse. I will, for me, I like to, I mean, I like to balance it because you're around these guys so often. Like, you've got to do the job, and you've got to tell stories, and you've got to get information. But I'm also around every day. Like, I want to be scarce to a certain point, you know? Like, it's a balance. Like, I don't want to be in their face every single day. So I try to just talk to the guys I need to talk to, and I try to fill in creatively. Like, if there's a guy who can talk about another guy, I'll use some of that so I don't have to 
talk to somebody that I regularly need to talk to. You know, obviously you need to tell the best stories and get the best stories. So I'll I'll do whatever it takes to do that. But I do think that yeah, so that's pregame, kind of just going around and talking who I need to who I need to and budgeting throughout the week and using my time wisely and being like, okay, in this 50 minutes, if I see one guy that I might not ride on today, I'll still get him because then that that saves me a little bit. That covers me a bit for the rest of the week. Kind of like if you're a GM covering yourself with pitching, right? Lining <laughs> up pitching. Um, Post game, it's more standard. Uh, at home, it's the interview room. On the road, we go to the manager's office. Uh, and then you kind of get who you need based on post game that night. But pregame is interesting. I feel like that's the game inside the game nobody thinks about in terms of like, yeah, having to get stories, whether it's a guy throwing a bullpen, might talk to him. Uh, I might, yeah, a couple days, chat up Kyle Wright, see how he's doing, you know, just get stuff like, just to get a feel of things. I like to have a kind of a, I don't, like a umbrella's worth of a feel for everything going on, but then I dive into certain things. So I'll talk to certain people about certain things. And like so much of what I learned is probably like off the record conversations, right? Like is asking, you know, a Spencer Strider, after I do interview him, like, hey, turn off the recorder and being like, what do you think about this? Or, or how would you approach this? And that that's how I've learned the game. So I try to balance it. Like, I try to use it as I'm there to to get you guys cool stories, fun stories, informative stories, and do the reporting. But I also need to blend that with my own curiosity. Because, like, that's the best part of being there is you're around the 1% of guys in the world who do this, and they can teach you so much. So I've learned a lot there, too, which I think also informs what we do what i do writing wise um and what we do video wise so we should have uh, done this live show for about two hours we have we have so much that we could get to uh so for those that could not get their questions on do one more we'll um we'll save it for the podcast as we talk about off okay. the air so okay. uh, for those of you who couldn't get your questions on tune in uh to our show on monday we do this show every monday but uh do you think we entertain the people you have I, a good time yeah i had a good i had a good time so much so that i was almost i almost gave you a scowl when you said okay we're gonna wrap up with a couple more i'm like a couple more i thought we were budgeted <laughs> for so i I've been talking, you've been talking, hopefully it has been entertaining and informative, but we enjoyed doing it. And the fact that I didn't even notice that there were cameras next to us at a certain point, I think that means it went pretty well. We'd like to do it again sometime though, right? First rule of showbiz, keep keep them wanting more. So if yeah. you want more, we'll be out every Monday with the Braves Report or when major news breaks. So please rate, review, follow, share, subscribe. Thanks to our producer Shane Backler, Nathan Edmondson, and Mrs. Justin Toscano, who is in. Uh, just, just kidding. Um, but we do appreciate you guys watching us on our live stream, and thank you for listening to this special edition of the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.